When he turned his back from shoulder to shoulder, it looked like as wide as the tailgate of a truck. And this darkness, literal darkness, just came like all over, just, just all over me except where I was standing. This thing let out the most blood-curdling, mind-blowing, spine-tingling scream that you've ever heard in your life, and it cut through me like a knife. And I knew that they were going to take me. I just knew it. And then the next thing I can remember is being levitated. Well, when I look in there, uh, I see two big eyes staring back at me. Hello and welcome. You're listening to The Bump Podcast, a place for the believers of the unexplained, monsters, and paranormal. Join us, and we'll go face-to-face with what goes bump in the night. message is for the bump podcast for uh, Kip and Bo Kennedy. I must say this wonderful gentleman uh, were having me as a guest on their uh, bump podcast. I must say I was uh, blown away because of the way they were sharing my story, welcoming me and allowing me to share my experiences with the rest of the world. Also, I cannot wait for them to be guests at my body, mind and spirit and be here, uh, you know, guests at my new age studio. You know, I wishing you all the best, uh, Bo and Kip Kennedy, we have a lot of respect here at the New Age Studio for uh, you and sending you peace, hope, love, and light, and all the best. Bye. Hey there, believers. This is my one-year anniversary episode. You're going to hear clips and segments, you know, that I'm going to record or have already recorded um, at different places at different times, so the audio might fluctuate a little bit or the background music might be going on, or maybe even uh, you'll hear the the tardy bell ringing while I'm doing this from the school. I just, I'm trying to take time where I can and piece together a little bit about me. So if you hear birds, it's because I'm outside. If you hear an intercom going off, it's because I'm at work. What better way to sum up my life, right? First, I want to thank everybody for making the last year possible. It's been an amazing adventure. I've learned so much from you all. Uh, I never expected this to make it past the summer of last year. You know, I, I started this due to having some extra downtime. Everybody got sent home for the 2020 quarantine. You know, the the two weeks and this will be over. You know, uh, flatten the curve. And the next thing you know, here we are a year later and we have to wear twice as many masks and get vaccines and all that. I'm not here to talk about political stuff, you know that, Um, because apparently you can't talk about a vaccine without it going political. So I'm going to leave all that alone. However you feel about it, you know, do what you want. But. My point is, I didn't expect this to last. Once we went back to school, once we went back to work, I didn't know I'd have time for the podcast. Um, It really has become like a second job. I put a whole lot of effort into this. 
Um, I reach out to people for interviews. People come to me for interviews. And that's the best feeling ever. I love it when people come to me to share their story. It means the world to me. And I'm I'm very grateful for, for everybody who comes on the show. And I thank you guys for the support on Patreon, for the support on YouTube, for buying my merch, um, for really helping this, you know, little baby podcast to grow. And, you know, now, you know, we're, we're ranked, (laughs) you know, we're, we're, we're hanging in there. We're doing good. And for it to be a one man gig, I really appreciate the love and support. Um, I'm doing, I'm doing everything I can. So I, I really appreciate it going noticed. So thank you guys again. All right. Um, I guess this is my intro. It's been a year. Thank you. And uh, I'm going to get into some, some things that about my personal life. I, f- I figured that would be a good way to sum it up, you know, to, to celebrate the one-year motion, the one-year mark. Um, my introduction episode, I touched on a few things. You know, uh, a lot of people didn't go back and listen to the introduction episode. That's okay. So I'll recap on some of that, a little bit about myself, a little bit about what I've learned, um, a little bit about what I thought I knew and I didn't really know. And I'll, I'll be going into some some personal accounts, things that have happened to me. And I've all, I'm also going to include the fireside chats that uh, me and Dad had when we went up to Braxton County, up to Flatwoods. It's on the exclusive Patreon video, but I took the audio off that um, to include on this show, at least some of it. Uh, Dad has helped me out a lot, especially when we did the, uh, the, the BraxtonWV.org commercials. That was so much fun. Thank you, Andrew, for that opportunity at the Flatwoods Monster Museum. Thank you for letting us do that. And those commercials are still playing in his museum. Uh, when we went up there a few weeks ago, we walked in and we, we heard ourselves you know, over the speakers. It was awesome. It was a great feeling. So I made a lot of good friends and uh, a lot of, I've had a lot of good experiences. So thank you guys again, and let's get into the show. Okay, I guess just to help explain why I'm so into and so open to all the high strangeness, the the fringe stuff, uh, I'm not just in one camp, you know, i I'm not just a Bigfoot believer. I don't just believe in UFOs. I'm open to pretty much any of it. And to help explain why, I've written down a list of things that were just weird or outside of easily being explained away that it's happened in my life. And it's kind of brought me to where I love talking about it to other people. I want to figure it out. You know, I want to figure out what's going on. Um, I'm learning, but I'm just going to run off some of the list and then I'll get into some of these. Um, right now I got about three minutes before the next class period starts. So, but the house I grew up in was haunted. Okay. Um, I'm hoping to get my mom on here to share some of those stories. Um, I had recurring dreams of a certain entity when I was a little boy, you know, 
about six or seven years old, we had a, and brace yourself, but yes, we had a talking cat at that haunted house. If the confessionals gets a, gets the opportunity, I, I did an episode with Tony Merkel, but I know he has a long wait list, so I don't know when that episode will air, but we get into that. Um, had Ouija board experiences. I've had experiences with missing time. Um, hearing strange screams in the woods when I was a teenager in the 90s. Uh, I met what I believe was an angel god. I lived in a haunted apartment building. Um, I had a couple of what you would call, I guess, prophetic dreams or glimpses of the future when I was deployed back in 2006. Uh, there was the incident that I call the miraculous money ball. I'll get into that later. I formed a group while I was in the military. That's where the name Bump comes from, for the believers of the unexplained monsters and paranormal. I think you guys know that by now. Uh, but we went out and didn't have a whole lot go on, you know, except for scaring each other and ourselves. But maybe a little synchronicity out there in a cemetery. Then there's mine and my dad's UFO encounter, sighting, rather, that uh, I have told several times on this show and on other shows. Absolutely blows my mind. I love it. Um, That made it concrete for me. Also in Louisiana, I spoke to a psychic that knew things that she should not have known. So I was a believer in that. Um... I felt like I, I was oppressed. Uh, I still feel like that struggle goes around sometimes. Um, we'll talk about that. Uh, let's see what else I got on here. Went to Chief Logan State Park. Holy smokes! I, I worked there for years, so we'll get into that. Uh, different different sounds that I've heard. That's when I had my Class B Bigfoot. Uh, experience, we'll call it. Uh, they actually got me onto finding Bigfoot on Discovery Plus. Go check that out. Um, different sounds, things I didn't really talk about anywhere else except for on Sasquatch Chronicles when Wes had me on. Thank you again, Wes. I love you. You've helped me out a lot. Um, then the, you know, there's general topics that have sparked my interest. And here lately, we had so much paranormal activity going on in my house and just weird moods and uh, real heavy negativity in the home. I've, I've had to do a lot of saging, a lot of praying. I've had to really dig into my faith and uh, fight, you know. And uh, at the time I'm recording this is two weeks before the episode releases, but I had a I had a struggle, so. Maybe we'll touch into that too, but it ended up with me staging the house and uh, actually feeling it, feeling it go from room to room. Um, some some places I could feel things, some places I couldn't. But I really think that we're opening up to this stuff and talking about it might. Oh, there's the school bell. Might give us some authority, or make it feel like it has authority. But you just got to put it back in check and cast it away. So that's what we did. But we'll talk more about it later. Uh, we've been here since Monday. Today is Wednesday. I've had a good time. 
we've relaxed a lot, did a little fishing, sleeping in our hammocks, and uh, just explored. So we'll go ahead and just leave this thing running. I'm going to start off, Dad, because I got up before you did. All right. And I got the fire going. I made my coffee. And I was sitting here watching the fire. And you can see it right now. You see the smoke coming up, right? Yes. And you see those thermal waves. Yes. Okay. Well, here's what I got started thinking about. And like I told you, I'm probably full of it. But this is what I thought. It don't mean it's right. It probably ain't right. But looking at these thermal waves started reminding me of uh, how people like used to scry. Or they, yes. they still do scrying. Right. And you would look into a reflective object or, you know, even into a crystal ball or something. And you would get glimpses of something else. It might be the future. It might be another dimension or whatever. Right. Well, I was staring at that thermal wave. And the longer I stared at it, no, I didn't start scrying. But I, it started taking on a different look to me. And I thought at first, you know, this is what people talk about when they see the predator-type Sasquatch activity or whatever. Yes, yes. How they can see it move. I just noticed it does look just like that. Yes. Well, I was thinking maybe it's accidental scrying. You know, maybe they're seeing through something to, to get a glimpse of another dimension, maybe. Or uh, I started thinking about how when there's a massive thermal wave, like if you're in the desert and you start, you see the, the heat waves coming off of it, off the desert sand, and people hallucinate and see mirages. Well, maybe that thermal wave is creating almost like a, uh, a scrying effect or a portal type effect. Okay. To where when they're looking, they're seeing, you know, a desert yeah, oasis instead of, you know, instead of a desert. It's almost like paradise they're looking at. So, I don't know. Maybe what we're looking at is kind of like the upside down. It's the opposite of what we have here. They're in the desert. They're seeing beach and sand, or oceans and palm trees, you know. Uh, people are in the woods and they're seeing the things that we can't see in the woods. I don't know, but it was just something I thought about when I was standing here looking at the, the fire. Well, you know, that was a good thought because looking at those waves will absolutely hypnotize you. Yeah. Yeah, I just, I don't And know. I guess it's what's on your mind is, you know, in, in a state like that is what you're going to see. Could you be. know, the people in the desert. What you want. Dying of thirst, that's all that's on your mind. Yeah. You know. I don't know. I don't know either, man. Like I was talking about the upside down part. How you're in the desert and you see the, the water. And you're right, that's what you want is the water. But maybe it's just like a, an opposites thing where I'm looking at a heat wave from the fire and the way it was coming up from the 
from the logs and from the fire is undulating. It, it looked like water. Yeah. You know, which is the opposite of fire. Uh, the ocean is the opposite of the desert. This is like... Well, here's something silly, but here's a, an analogy. You keep talking about, you know, that looks like water. The predator thing looks like water. Yeah. On uh, Stargate, whenever the Stargate opened, mm -hmm. it looked like water. Really? It come bubbling out. See? And people have seen these flying cryptids too, right? Yes. There were people in, I think it was Kentucky, that saw something flying and said it looked like a stingray. Like a hundred foot wide, like a manta ray, just undulating, floating, you know, the way the their wings ripple and stuff. Mm -hmm. They said that's exactly what it looked like. And it wasn't just one man. His wife was with him. And it just it crossed between houses. They said they could see it for like two minutes or something before it just went behind the tree line. So what if this is water? There ain't no what if. It is water. You know, when the weatherman says humidity today, that means that's how much water is in the air. Yeah. And what's getting superheated, because I don't think you're going to see uh, air, yeah. you know, burn. But the water will. The water starts evaporating, causing those ripples in the air. And I'm sure there's some kind of scientist is like, you know, it's the temperature and whatever of the air surrounding it is bending light and whatever. I don't care. I'm talking metaphysical what senses. It, what it triggers know? in your mind. Yeah. Yeah. That's why, you know, some people are psychic mm -hmm. and some people aren't. And I could sit down with a deck of tarot cards and flip them over and wouldn't have a clue right. what I was looking at, you know. I don't know. So, you know, it, it, like I said, it's, it's whatever's in your mind. That's, that's, what, that's what your brain's going to manifest. Yeah. But what about people that, at the time of their encounter, say they had never believed in a Bigfoot before, and then they had this wild, almost paranormal, supernatural Bigfoot encounter? Honestly, if you're not going to call them all liars, you can't call any of them liars. Right. Because we don't know what the truth is. Right. We're not there. Right. And that's why I don't deny anybody from coming on the show, man. Right. You know, and I say it all the time. Reality is subjective. Because it's, it's this simple. If I believe in Bigfoot and you don't, then my reality is different than yours. Better example. You and your friend are sitting on the couch. He pops a little tab of acid. He starts seeing things that absolutely are not there. To me. To you. Right. But to him, they're there. Right. Yeah. So who's 
who's in reality? There is no reality. I was in the car. I was coming from Williamson with the guy who lived in Shamrock, Terry Richardson. And uh, he took that little hit of acid just as we got on the four lanes at, at, on the Williamson side. And he started tripping and seeing things, and it started raining. And he was just almost giggling, you know? Yeah. And I said, what is it? He said, I've never seen red rain before. <laughs> I said, you still haven't. <laughs> he said, don't you see it? I'm like, no. See, how does that, it, it affects the, some kind of chemical compos, composition in your brain. Right. But it affects your vision. It's like a hallucinatory. Are you just seeing it in your mind's eye? Or are you seeing it with your real eye? Did it open up a third eye? <laughs> yeah. Man, we need Diva Daniela here. Yeah, she could probably explain most she of this. Well, yeah. But to be honest, to me, that's her explanation. It doesn't necessarily mean it's the truth. Or or what you would accept as the truth. Mm -hmm. Or what I would accept. Yeah. Because we're not going to believe anything that we don't already believe. It's hard to change somebody's mind. Yeah. You know, it takes experience to change your mind. Yeah. So if somebody's a skeptic, they will remain that way until they ha see it for themselves. It does. Like, it's just like with anything, man. It don't do any good to argue. Nobody right. wins. Yeah, you're not going to change anybody's mind. You just, you both look like idiots. Yeah. You can make a point, but if it's on a topic where nobody knows 100% for sure, how can you be right or wrong? Why, why, even, mm -hmm. why even argue about it? That's peaceful, man. Yes, sir. And maybe since tonight's our last night, maybe this is the night that we'll see or hear something good. Or catch a fish. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that'd be great. They should change this from the Elk River to the Dead River. Just kidding. Now, we're in a bad week according to the farmer's almanac right yeah according, yep it said there's like a 16 percent efficiency yeah. in fishing yeah so it's just it's in the signs which is another thing i do not understand but it must work our minds are electrical and they are affected by magnetic waves right well, as the Earth rotates around the, the sun, it's got to change or make waver, you know, the magnetic waves. Yeah. And also, 
brilliant people are talking about there are ley lines in the earth. Which are like electrical wires. They're energy yep. tracks, you know? I've heard a lot about ley lines recently. Now, if I can remember what we was talking about. <laughs> I think we were talking about being peaceful, man. Oh. <laughs> That's our perspective. <laughs> oh, to them squirrels, it might be, you know the enemy front exactly you know they're yeah. back there making plans like <laughs> they're still pissed off at us for finding a, uh, a nut cache that's right and digging it up dug it up found fresh <laughs> fresh nuts I'm like what in the world is this some squirrel back there barking his ass off yeah i work so hard you sons of bitches <laughs> I had a boss in at the NSA that said, learn something new every day. Or with every experience, you know? Yeah. I feel like... Don't just, you know, don't just get some data, verify some shit. Learn something new. Well, I've learned something new on this trip. What'd you learn? Squirrels bark at night. Yeah, that was weird, wasn't it? That, to me, was the high weirdness. Because every camping trip we've been on. And that little son bitch sitting behind our tent yes, crunching. Right behind our tent. And you can hear his teeth breaking on the... Yes! <laughs> on, on whatever he's eating, that cache of nuts. Because there's no nuts growing right now. No. But a lot of the trees around here have those kind of conditions. Yeah. I saw one of those, uh, wasn't an animal planet thing, I don't think. It was something like maybe being from the BBC, but anyway, they said that you know squirrels do work all year, gathering nuts and stashing them away in little stashes. Yeah. He said, but did you know that over fifty percent of the time they can't find their own stashes in the yeah for real yeah. But yeah, like like you were saying, our reality. This is peaceful. This is beautiful. You know, it's a campground that I would recommend to anybody. Mm -hmm. But to the squirrels, it's searching for food. Yeah. Making sure other, you know, their peers don't see them and find out their, where their food is. Right. You know, fighting, flirting, 
constantly. They don't ever just chill out. We're blessed. I would almost agree with you, except more than once, I've been going through the woods to look up, see a squirrel stretched out on a limb. <laughs> I mean, stretched out, man. Dead asleep. Yeah. But all the time's camping, I've never heard it bark at night. Never. And I've never had one five feet away from our tent eating in the middle of the night. That's as weird as it gets. And pretty normal day, pretty normal week. <laughs> We should probably take this time since we got it recording to tell everybody that if you are in Braxton County and you want to do some primitive camping, come to the Elk River Campground. Um, you can Google it. It's the one in Frametown, West Virginia. It's about three miles from Sutton, but there there are multiple Elk River listings but it's just simply elk river elk river campground in frametown west virginia the guy who runs it his name is jason he's he's been super cool with us when we come down here we had a stack of firewood that would take us probably 10 days to go through waiting on us a big flat open area there's nobody there's nobody else here tent camping there's a lot of camper trailers and stuff up there but it's in a different section we can't even see theirs. They can't see our tent. And it is just the whole river bottom wide open to us. At least 100 yards on each side. Nobody else is even around. So if you want a nice private spot within just a few miles of, you know, more action, this is a great spot to go to the Elk River Campground in Frametown, West Virginia. Um, we're coming back, right? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I love it here. All right, my missing time story. Um, I went over this on episode three, season one, I believe, when Jason came on and talked about his missing time incident. My missing time story is something short and sweet. I was a senior in high school and I got up, I had my alarm set for six o'clock in the morning so I could get up and take a shower and have time to go catch the bus. So my alarm goes off, I do just like I'm supposed to do. I get up, take my shower, get dressed for school, go back into the bedroom and I look at the clock and it was like 6.20, I had like you know, 15, 20 minutes before I had to take off for the bus stop. So like any lazy teenager, I just laid back down in the bed for a little while. When I woke up, fully dressed and my hair wet, it was six o'clock. Now I would say maybe I just looked at the clock wrong the first time, 
but after I was fully awake and showered, I looked at the clock and, you know, did the timeline of how much time I'll have to get ready, you know, to catch the bus and all that. So it didn't really make any sense how I woke back up at six. I've scratched my head for 25 years over that one. Okay, this little segment is a lot of fun for me. Um, a year ago, last June, during one of our campfire talks with me and Dad, um, Jess sat out there with us, my wife. And she didn't even know I was recording at the time. But we got into talking about dreams. And she disclosed some of her... <laughs> most frightening dreams that felt like visions of past lives or her death. And she did a great job, you know, unbeknownst to her. She (laughs) was absolutely captivated listening to her stories. So I've held on to these for the last 11 months, and I just dropped it on her about five seconds ago that I'm putting it on this episode. and She refused for a little while, but I talked her into it. So, this is Jess's debut on my show. I probably won't get her on here very often, unless I could use more trickery. But, here's Jess. I dreamed. I was walking through this house, and I was normal. Like I, like I would normally be me right now. And went in through a door it was a house i didn't recognize and went in through a door and it opened up and it was a church it was a church and when i as i walked down the steps even the color of the dream changed like it wasn't really a color it was like a sepia you know like an old timey mm-hmm. color like a photo and i started walking down these steps and i had on like the period clothing it was a high collar uh dress with little buttons all the way down and um like lace and all the way to my wrist lace and my hair was up in like a bun type thing and I walked out no makeup I could see myself but I was still me and I was walking down those stairs well as I got to the bottom I could see that you know there was an altar and everything and this man came through the door and I recognized him immediately as my husband I'd never seen that man before in my life but I knew in my dream that that was my husband, and he was older. But I think I was older. I, I Like, I was wrinkled, more wrinkled than my, I am at this age. And he was real weathered looking and hateful looking. But he had on a high collar. Like, he was obviously the preacher. And he walked straight in. And I, it was silent. I couldn't hear anything there was no conversation there was no noise but he threw me on that altar and laid me back and come behind me and cut my throat and I could I was watching him cut my throat and just blood everywhere and I was screaming but nothing was coming out and I woke up paralyzed in like I had like a night terror I couldn't move and but I was terrified and I kept trying to move and finally i don't know if i made a noise or what woke bo up you were crying in your sleep 
and he touched me and I was able to move then and I couldn't I didn't sleep anymore after that night I, I could not but I thought that it didn't feel like a dream it felt like a memory Good, like, yeah. like I was there that was the first one and there was another one in, and I don't remember that second one but it was just scary it was another death I died that's more like a sacrifice than yes didn't it? Death. and then the third one was I was in a car and Bo and Lori were in a car behind me and we were racing down this road not really racing just driving really fast and it was raining it was wet and it was real curvy and um, I remember from the dream like I, there was a, a wreck behind us and we stopped and I got out of the car, Bo and Lori got out of their car and we were run, walking down this road and as we were getting closer I could see a person laying on the ground and you know I just knew they had been thrown out of that car and you know I ran up there to help and I bent down to help and I looked at the person it was me and I thought you know it was like a, is this real like I, I, how could that be me and um, I reached down to check my pulse on my neck and I could feel that my neck was broken and no pulse so I started screaming at Bo and Lori they were just standing there looking and I kept saying help me do something I'm going to die and they couldn't hear me and Man, that's like a twilight zone it was, it's mm-hmm. terrifying and oh shit like I kept looking at myself like, I, and then looking back at them and I, and I realized in that dream you know, I'm dead, and I'm here. I'm here, but they don't know. You know, they they don't see me. And Bo was just he, like he was crying, but they never did anything to try to help. And for weeks after that, like I woke up, same thing, paralyzed in fear, couldn't move when I jolted awake. And Bo said I I woke him up crying, like I was crying in my sleep. And he that's how he woke me up again. I was able to move, but for weeks I was scared to go to sleep because I couldn't get my, the image of my the way I looked dead it was me and I was convinced that I was going to end up you know I did home health then and I thought I was going to recognize that place out on the road I thought I know I'm going to eventually drive into this place and I'm going to know it when I see it but I never did thank god I yeah. worried about her every day she'd go places man that yeah she had no business being well, out there doing home health I know you had to, but it was scary. It was scary because there's no reception out there. You don't know who's going to be in the house. And there's some places that were drug houses and stuff, and she still had to go. But I always thought those were just like memories. They didn't feel like dreams. I feel like those might have been a memory from another life. You know, some way that I died in another lifetime. Didn't you have one where you were like in a home and nobody would talk to you or look at you and because you were already dead, it was like you you were oh. a, a, a ghost or something. Yeah, that was the second one. Um, it wasn't a home. I was uh, I don't, why can't I remember that? Um, I was walking and these people were. There was a couple, an older couple, and I don't remember what they were doing there, but it was another like a church, and. They said they were trying to go somewhere. They were trying to, wasn't they? 
I can't remember that dream. It's like I it's gone. Remember. Yeah. I can't remember what. I just know that you were trying to talk to people or wondering why nobody was talking to you. And it was like your funeral. And I was dead. Yeah. I had two or three of those. I don't remember that one all the way. I don't remember any of the details. <clears throat> I've never had any dreams like that. I dream every night. And you remember them every day? I do too. No. And I remember them when I wake up, but I soon forget them. Yeah, I usually remember my dreams for a little while. You ever have flying dreams? You ever dreamed you were flying? Let me tell you, my bad dream, I guess you call it, is always me falling. I have zero fear of heights, man. Zero fear of heights. But I have dreams quite often, I'd say probably four or five times a year, where I'm just out of control falling. And Well, you know what they say that is, don't you? Mm-hmm. That you're astral projecting and that's your soul coming back into your body i've had that feeling hey, I but don't i know. didn't know what it was i had a dream i was in a lake and got took up in a twister in that lake and i was trying to you know I was getting pulled up and i was dropping and then getting pulled back up in the air and then i thought you know what to hell with it man if you fall you're going to go back in the water what's it going to hurt you know and then i woke up so <laughs> but that's Fallen dreams are the ones that make me jump. But I remember that dream. It was you with a woman. Oh well. A young woman, like real young. Mm-hmm. And I was there, like we were just all there. I didn't realize, you know, what was going on, and he was holding her hand. And I noticed it, but I didn't say anything. It didn't bother me. And then he, uh, we were walking around. I was talking up a storm, just having a conversation with him, and. They weren't ever, they, I never, didn't realize they weren't talking back to me. They were talking to each other, but not to me. And then he reached over and kissed her. And I said, okay, that's enough. You yeah. know, I thought, that's not right. You, right in front of me. And he never acknowledged me. Well, then these, this old couple came. They were young, well, they weren't like old, old, but they were middle-aged. And they come over and I said, do you need help? We were in a church. And they just nodded. You know, they were like, and I said, okay, what do you need? And um, they said, we need to pray. And I said, well, come on, we'll go pray together. And I took them over and we we knelt down and we held hands and we prayed. And then we got up and they started walking away and they were smiling. and, And they turned around and reached their hand out. And I said, it's okay, you can go. And they said, no, we're here for you. And I, re- that I realized then, I <laughs> get that all came to me. You like, need to write some books. I thought, no kidding. Am I dead? And I, I said that. Am I dead? And I looked back at to where Bo and this girl were, and they were walking away. And I think I said Bo, and he never, he didn't turn around. He couldn't hear me. They could hear me, but he couldn't hear me. They were me. spirit. They were angels. They were there to get me, because my like my soul or my spirit didn't realize that I had died. They were there to tell me you are dead and it's time for you to come on he's moved on and <laughs> i didn't want to go like i but i i don't and i woke up i don't before i went anywhere i didn't go with them i was just kind of standing there watching like realizing and i woke up that was the second memory yeah or whatever 
That's why that morning you woke up and she smacked the hell out of you. <laughs> probably is. Probably pissed off all day long. I'm like, what did I, I do? I never, yeah. ever dream about How that. long was I gone before you and him? <laughs> she was young. 20s. Well, young. I assure you, I want nothing to do with another woman if anything happened now. to you. I promise. I've never dreamed about Bo ever. Except for those two dreams where I died. Ain't that nice? Well, at least it wasn't you. All right, we got ribs on the on the fire pit, slow cooking them over some, over a bed of coals. Uh, I might post a little picture of that later, but maybe not. Uh, I wanted to do an apology video for not doing a Patreon and uh, all that, but by the time we release this, we'll be well past that. So sorry i'll probably have some stuff posted to make up for it by the time this airs anyway but just let you know i wasn't trying to short anybody or do less one week i'm just in an area where i can't do more so anyway since we're in flatwoods and i got dad's attention he's my captive audience i wanted to talk to dad about what he thinks went on during the Flatwood Monster encounter. I don't know all the names and dates and stuff. I know, I think it was like 1952. It was in the 50s. And I know it was the <clears throat> May family, like Freddie May. Uh, I'm not sure who else was involved. But I, I know the general story. I think everybody here knows the general story. Well, let me recount the general story and you tell me if I'm wrong. Okay. Okay, because I'm not sure if I'm right or not. Okay. The way I remember it is several children, like in a family, saw a UFO come down in the hills. So they went out looking for it, and I think their mother went with them. They saw the Flatwoods monster, as they call it, the alien. It was in a, it looked like a hovercraft thing, like on the old Dick Tracy, you know, like a little barrel is standing in, hovering off the ground with the sign of kind of a green smoke or something coming out from under it. And several of the kids and the woman either got sick or got radiation burns. That's, that's what I remember. So tell me. Well, what, your story is. I think you hit the keynotes, man. Uh, a kid or two or three saw a fiery, like a fireball come down out of the sky. Right. Um, which, by the way, they found out that thing had been tracked. Um, it had been seen. So there's no doubt that there was something there. Right. Something really did crash. Because it, it, that was crash or land. Going over other states before it got here. So something came down here in Flatwoods. Um, they went and got, I think their mother and uh, a young a young man who I, I think was outside the family, but he was a friend of the family or something. And they went up there and had this encounter. And there's been a couple of different variations from what I've heard of what it looked like. Mm-hmm. But I heard that it looked reptilian. 
Yeah, I've heard that. And and what they picture as the, as the Flatwoods Monster now was its breathing device when it was standing. It wasn't standing there in a robe and that big, you know, right. ace-shaped head. That it was floating in that canister and it had that a helmet on that resembled that. And when it took the helmet off, it looked more reptilian. Well, see, I don't know if the one they encountered, I don't think it ever took a helmet off. Okay. Um, if I'm not mistaken, near here, days later, someone saw something like that too, without the without the suit-like device on. Okay. So I don't know if that's just, you know, fandom fiction or if that really happened. But, uh, yeah, they had this experience. Uh, there was this oily substance on the ground. There were no tracks visible. Uh, There's that noxious fumes. It had the spindly red arms. Uh, but like no, it, it was it was floating in a type of hovercraft. It it had so, his lower half. Some people have described it as some kind of flotation device, and some people described it as like it looked almost like a metallic skirt-like thing with tubes or whatever. So yeah, it's probably some kind of hovercraft. But it, that, and that's all due to perspective. It, yes, that's you all know? perspective. But they saw something. Indeed, they did. It was taken seriously enough for the uh, military to come out and get involved. You know, I think the FBI came out and got involved. Yeah. And I know that Project Blue Book got involved. Dr. Hynek come out here himself. So... Well, here's, here's what I think. I don't think it crashed. I think it merely landed. Oh, yeah? To throw a little spice in this, me and you saw a UFO. Oh, yeah. What we saw was a green flash of fire. It looked like it was, you know. Yeah. So what if that's a similar craft to what these people saw? Could have been. You know, and they think, oh, it was a fiery crash, but it actually just landed. Right. The alien got in its little hovercraft thing and... and Go do a little reconnaissance. Reconnaissance around, and these people come up, and they had an encounter. And I think that it's... it's emissions from that little hovercraft, whatever powered it, was toxic to humans. Like you said, there was an oily substance on the ground, but they said that green smoke was coming out from under the bottom of it. Right. You know. And so that holds true because I saw a green flame in the sky. Right. You know, and if that's what they saw when it landed, maybe that whatever it uses for propulsion comes out as a green flame or green smoke or... It could have been, man. I... I don't know what they saw. I do believe it was some kind of alien. Yeah. If I would be classifying this and, you know, doing, uh, they call it a cryptid. It's not a cryptid. No. It's, I wouldn't call it a monster. No. I'd call it a, an alien, a visitor, something. Yep. Yep. I would not call it a monster. 
it was something that was a part of this UFO coming down. Yep. Surely those two things were connected, and it wasn't like a big fiery comet right. hits the Earth right beside what just happens to be some reptilian-looking creature. Yeah, right. And these, this unlucky family would just haphazardly stumbling upon it all. No, it was an it was an incident, it, and it was a national incident because the federal government got involved. Okay. And wouldn't that be nice when we have, have full? We, have UFO come right down the river? I was thinking when we get full disclosure on June first, if the Flatwoods monster case is included. That would be good. Because that's something that we're both interested in. Yes. That would help settle it. I'm sure we butchered all that. We may have, but, you know, this is our perspective of what happened. Yep. If somebody else knows any more or has, you know, heard a different story, put it in the messages and the responses. There you go. That's what makes folk stories folk stories, too, man. True. You know, you never know. They could have saw, saw a shooting star, ran up on the hillside, one kid jump scare the other kid, and they run back home and make up a big story. Yep. I don't think that's what happened. I don't either, because the mother was there and she got <laughs> sick, you know? Yeah, man. It, it, was a, it was a real incident. It was a real incident. Um, some of the people that this happened to or got to experience this, however you want to word it, are still alive. Oh, are they? Yes. Um, I think his name is Freddie May, or Eddie May, or something like that. But, yeah, he's still alive. And I believe... Bo, that would be who you want to call to get on your podcast. Yeah, but I don't think he's doing much talking anymore. He's he's an old man. Um, I think, if I'm not mistaken, Dad... Do you ever watch Small Town Monsters on YouTube? I've watched it once or twice. I haven't watched all of it. Well, I I use Amazon Prime to watch it. And I think, if I'm not mistaken, I know they did a Flatwoods Monster documentary. Okay. And I think Seth Breedlove actually interviewed Freddie Mac. Well, I need to watch that then. Maybe I'll get a better perspective. It'd be a good thing to watch tonight while we're here. Yes. Because you can get Prime on your phone. Yes, I My can. My phone won't do shit. Yes, I but can. you can get it on your phone. So, last night here, let's try to scare ourselves. and. Well, not scare ourselves, just <laughs> get better informed. Yeah. Yeah, I, I didn't come up here expecting to see the Flatwoods Monster 70 years later. All right, I'm going to go over just a few more um, personal stories. I'm going to end with uh, getting in depth about the Chief Logan State Park encounters, incidents, whatever you want to call them, happenings. Um, One that I talked to Tony Merkel about on his show, The Confessionals, was something that happened when I was a little boy. Um, I don't want to ruin his show or anything like that or give any spoilers, but I had an incident where I had a, a cat, a little tabby cat. I had a white tip on his tail. We named him Tiger. Uh, we had him 
we found him actually at Chief Logan Park um, back in the 80s and brought him home, raised him in this house that I've talked about before being haunted. Um, and the cat was real loving, real lazy, regular cat. But he had this, I don't know, I guess a habit. He would sit on an old buffet we had in front of the window and he would just sit there in the window all the time. And I don't know if it was meowing. Uh, I don't know what it was, but he would sit there and it sounded like he would just say, Oh no. Mm. Oh no. Over and over again. Um, like actual words. It was really weird. And um, so we used to joke about, you know, the cat being able to talk. Well, back then I would go to my dad's house on the weekends, you know, typical, <laughs> typical family. Right. And when I was gone, my mom claimed that the cat would walk through the house, you know, looking around and saying, where's Bo? Which, you know, sounds a lot like, oh, no, I guess. Um, maybe he just had a weird vocalization. I don't know. But my mom would talk back to him and, you know, say, you know, he's gone to his dad's house or whatever. Well, we had this cat for years. And eventually, um, he was outside and I needed to bring him in. So I go outside and I find Tiger and uh, I'm carrying him in the house. And he's this big, like I said, big tabby cat, real lazy. And when I got inside the door with him, I swear to you, this cat said, put me down. And I freaked, you know, um, I dropped the cat. He went one way. I went another. I ran in there and I told my mom and, you know, she kind of just chuckled about it. Never questioned it. Never told me I was stupid. Um, it was just, it is what it is. You know what I mean? We had a talking cat. So, you know, that was the last time I heard him say or do anything like that. But when it was time for us to move out of that home, Tiger, this big, really attached, loving, cuddly cat, refused to go with us and when i mean when i say refused i mean like he fought me um mom would send me after him you know we were leaving this is it we're moving and i'd pick him up in the yard and he would jump and scratch and flip and i try to grab a hold of his leg and he would like with with no self-preservation just fought to get away and i had to let him go or i was going to hurt him and for several years after that you could drive by the old house and tiger would still be sitting there in the yard um it's like he couldn't leave it or something or refused to leave it so as i got older i thought was you know was there something else going on was was that cat was something channeling through him or what and you know this is the kind of shit that if i talked about it to a psychologist i'd probably get on a a pretty good federal check you know but it happened you know um i had a talking cat okay now that i got the weird one over with um i'll tell you about some some dreams i had when i was overseas 
this is back in 2006, um, probably February, March time frame, January, maybe 2006. So it, you could probably look this up. But I had a dream that uh, a tsunami was heading towards Guam, you know, heading towards us. And the next day, we had to prep and get ready because it, sure enough, a, a major storm had been spotted and it was heading towards us. And then the next night, I had another dream that it turned away from us and was heading towards Japan. And lo and behold, the next day on the news, um, or maybe two days later, because you get a long heads up, you know, when you're out there in the middle of the ocean, um, word came through that, you know, it had diverted in a different direction and it wasn't coming after the island. So could you call that a prophetic dream? Maybe not, but it was cool. It was a cool thing to have happen. I have everything written down here on a list from my earliest childhood days to the, some of the more recent until we moved into this haunted house. Um, some of the more recent activity, but we've went over a few things. You know, I've talked about missing time, my weird ass talking cat, talked about the money ball, um, the dreams. And so I want to go ahead and just get into Chief Logan State Park. Uh, when talking about just weird stuff, we could tell stories all day long. Me and the other guys used to work with, there's always something weird or out of place. You know, Ouija boards found. Um, come across people sitting in circles, holding arms and chanting, uh, finding melted candles out in the middle of fields and stuff. Yeah, there, there's a lot of weird that goes on at Chief Logan. But I want to talk, it, talk about it in like terms of Bigfoot. Um. Dr. Russ Jones touches on Chief Logan Park, and he even specifies the Wilderness Trail as being a, a potential area for uh, Bigfoot habitat. But I want to talk to you about some other places, and I want to get specific that way in case anybody knows where I'm talking about or wants to come down and check it out for themselves. Um, you can holler at me, and I'll take you to where I'm talking about. But I worked there for about three and a half years. Um, most of that time was spent in the wildlife exhibit. You'd go in there and I got a, a little video of me and the bears on my Instagram, but up there in this wildlife exhibit, it was live animals, you know, and it was some of the more dangerous animals in West Virginia. So people can just come in and visit and get a look at them. We had wild boars. We had a, two, two bobcats. Uh, red-tailed hawk, a barred owl. We had rattlesnakes, um, copperheads, black rat snakes, which is the friendliest <laughs> of all the animals almost. And, you know, they're pretty aggressive, but they're the least dangerous. And then we had these two black bears, Mandy and Rascal. Um, they were both about 20 years old at the time. Mandy, sweet as she could be. Rascal earned his name. He, he's a grumpy old bear, but I got close to both of them. You know, I worked with them all the time. So they were, they were good for me. But anyway, I was up there and 
there's an area back behind the wildlife exhibit, a little, a little trail, and it's actually directly beneath this wilderness trail. But it was just a little swag back in the mountain, and I would go back in there, and when nobody was around, that's where I would I'd go and relax because a big mossy log and a little creek running down, real peaceful. And a lot of times I'd go back there and just sip on my coffee because I could hear if a guest would come up to the exhibit, I'd hear the car door shut and I could have time to get down there before they got up to me so I could talk to them and lead them through or whatever. Um, but there'd just be a handful of times of the three years that I'd get this uneasy feeling like I had to get the hell out of there, like something was staring at me. And so, you know, I would stand up and I'd look around but I, I never did get to see anything there. I just got this really uneasy hair on the back of your neck, standing up kind of feeling. And almost every day, now this is hard, especially if you live out in a city, you think how many trees could there be? But look, this is the woods. This wildlife exhibit is a mile off of the main park. Um, it's just out in the woods, okay? There's nothing else out that way. And every day, trees would fall. Sometimes big trees, sometimes smaller trees. Sometimes you would just hear trees falling, but not see anything. But other times you'd see these big massive trees coming down. Um, just bringing hell with them, you know? Long, slow, crack, 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 boom, big crash. So that didn't happen anywhere else in the park, just up there at the wildlife exhibit. So that was weird. Um, and like I mentioned, we had a barred owl in the exhibit. So every once in a while, you know, you get, you hear an owl call, no big deal. But there was a couple of times and this exhibit closed at six in the evening. So it's not like it was dark um, when owls do most of their hooting, <laughs> you know. Um, There's a couple of times while I was up there, I'd hear owl calls from all directions, you know, from east and west and uh, north that they'd be calling. And they, they all sound they're in pretty close proximity. And I, I try to brush it off like, you know, maybe they're trying to mate with the barred owl we have and they're just, you know, closing in on it, you know, trying to figure it out, you know, how to get to her or whatever. I don't even know if that the owl we have is a male or a female. But to hear four, at least four, owls calling from different directions at different you know all within the, the matter of one or two minutes of each other i've never experienced anything like that before and no they didn't always sound just perfect like owls you know they'd be they'd get cut off or they, they wouldn't get the warble at the end right or whatever but who knows i never got to see it now the most uh, the weirdest thing at that exhibit um, I mentioned it on Sasquatch Chronicles when I was talking to Wes, but there was one time where I heard what sounded like a, a hacksaw across metal up there, just like a real grady, like, like a grating noise. It was real raw and metallic. And I don't know how else to describe it, but like a metal pipe being cut through with a, a wide tooth hacksaw 
but so loud. It was like it's coming through an amplifier. And it got to the point where I, it, it kept going on and on for several minutes. And I walked toward the sound of the noise, you know, because I didn't think about anything except for what in the hell's making that noise, you know? So I walked up there and I get close. I'm, I'm up in the hill and it sounds like it's right over me, but there's nothing there. It's just a, a couple more big trees. Never did see anything. Uh, and, and then it just stopped. You know, it's almost like, I don't know, like somebody had an intercom and a, at a construction site or something. It was just really weird, but very, very clearly a metallic sound coming from these trees in the woods. Um, also in Chief Logan Park, there, there are different shelters that you can rent to have parties and stuff like that, you know, like birthday parties and whatnot. They're open. They got a cover over the top. But otherwise, they're just an open pad shelter. We'd go in early in the morning and clear them all out, make sure everything was nice for whoever had to rent it that day so they can come in. Well, I was up to shelter four, and uh, it's the nearest one to this wildlife exhibit. It's right at the, right at the end of the road there on the left-hand side across the creek. And I went up into shelter four and I'm, I picked up all the trash and I'm going through there with a leaf blower. And again, I get that feeling like, you know, I'm being watched. And as I have the leaf blower going wide open, I hear this, it's like a roar come out of the bush, um, out of the tree line. And it was almost mixed with like, kind of like a lion and a man, just like a screaming roar. And I hear it over the leaf blower that I have running wide open under a roof. So you usually can't hear anything with that leaf blower going. But whatever this noise was completely drowned it out. And I'm there like seven o'clock in the morning. There's nobody else around. Uh, there's maybe eight people in the entire park over the 4,000 acres. Nobody around. So I stop what I'm doing. And uh, I look around for just a second. And I look towards that, you know, the, the brush line there, the trees, and I don't see anything moving or anything, but I just got so uneasy that I had to leave it alone. You know, I had to just walk out of there and get away. Um, a couple more, a couple more stories about that park. Um, there's another trail called the Shawnee Trail, and the Shawnee Trail is on the left-hand fork of the park. If you would drive up there towards the end, there's an amphitheater where they do live productions and stuff. Actually, um, the past episode I had about Mamie Thurman, uh, that performance was put on there at the amphitheater. But there's a trail that goes behind it. Um, it goes up, it does a loop. Just one mile total trail it goes back half a mile into the woods and turns around and comes back to the other side of the creek. And it's called the Shawnee Trail. I love the Shawnee Trail. It's it's good for you know beginner hikers, you know people that want to just get out and see stuff. Um, I did have a couple of people tell me you know about coyotes being back there and following them out, but I'm not afraid of a coyote. You know what I mean? It, even though they get really big around here, you know I'm a decent sized person. I always had walking sticks and stuff with me, so I I just went about doing my job. And my job that day was to go clear out the trail. 
and uh, mark it, you know, blaze it. So I, I went through there and I, you know, blazed the trail all the way up and all the way back. And when I get almost to the end, I hear what sounds almost like a siren way off in the distance um, on up. Actually, if I just now thought about it, it's up, it's up towards the wilderness trail. Um, it's a good way away from where I was at, but it was in that direction. And it sounded like, just like the Ohio Hell. It would just go up in pitch and it would hold there and then slowly descend in pitch and then go right back up again without even really having a break uh, in between. Maybe, maybe just a, a second of a break in between. And it did that three or four times. And I tried to record it. And I think at one point I did have it recorded. And I I come back and um, ask people, you know, was was there any kind of alarm that I might have set off? Was there any kind of old fire stations or anything around? There wasn't. There was no reason for me to hear that. Um, it was really just a... Uh, it was a good moment, you know, it's far enough away. And I thought I recognized exactly what that was when it happened. But I've had several people that stayed in the campgrounds um, come to me with stories, come to me with pictures that to me looked like they caught a picture of a leaf falling. Um, you know, just something big and brown out of place. But, you know, I, I really just thought it was a leaf falling off a tree and they just happened to take a picture at the right time. But they're, you know, they swear their dogs acting up at the same time when they took the picture. And um, then I have a lot more people, my dad included, that swears they hear that same kind of howling up there at the lake. Um, the lake is again up there near that wildlife exhibit. It's just on the other side of the mountain. So, Chief Logan State Park in Logan County, I, I really believe with all my heart, if anywhere has activity, if anywhere down here has Bigfoot it, it's there and that tied in also to the uh if you if, if you go beyond Chief Logan Park the attached property is a wildlife management area that I had that class b experience that I talked to Wes about you know with uh hearing that I don't know that that giggly voice and then have something thrown at me um, when I was out there squirrel hunting. So I think, uh, I think there's something there. And I know that there's been reports called in to BFRO and whatever in and around the area. But I'm telling you now, they say that one in 50 people they find worthy to investigate um, something like that. And one in 50 of those actually makes it into the the database well there are probably hundreds of people around here that that believe so if you get a handful of them to actually come forth and talk uh, i know guys that live outside of the park that they hear stuff all the time so if anybody's interested in going there i think that'd be a good place to start and if you if you get into logan county holler at me and uh, one evening i'll meet you out there
Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. If you're looking for the ultimate gear in EDC or survival, go to SquatchSurvivalGear.com and check them out. Um, I've had Chris on the show a couple of times. It's his business. It's veteran-owned. Every component of every product is 100% made in America. Plus, you get packs that have the coolest names ever. You know, like the Rock Ape or the Minahuni. Go check out SquatchSurvivalGear.com. Uh, use promo code BUMP10 and save 10% off of any product site-wide. Okay, since this episode releases in about three hours, I need to go ahead and get these uh, these questions in here. I put on Instagram a little Q&A session, and I had, had some pretty good questions come in, so I, we're going to have some fun with it. Let's go ahead and answer these. Question number one is from Ashley and Dennis, Third Rock Designs, uh, my good buddies. They've been on the show a few times now. Uh, Ashley asks me, is Todd standing a fraud, in my opinion? And if so, why? I'll tell you this. I have reached out to Todd Standing several times to try to get him on this show, and I have not had a response yet. But unpopular opinion no I don't think Todd is standing as a fraud um, I know that there's some controversy around him um, and I believe that you know some of it at one point may have been hoaxed you know because there's just so there's so much stuff against him on that um, but I don't think that his whole story is fraudulent I think that Todd um, puts in more work than 99% of any researcher out there. I think he is very passionate about what he does. And if anybody is going to find Sasquatch out in Canada, I think it'll be him. Um, if he's a fraud that he fooled Dr. Jeffrey Meldrum, um, Dr. Bendernagel, and Les Stroud. So, 
he's good. If, if he's a fraud, he's good. Now, what I think might may have happened, if if I have to entertain the the fraudulent route at all, and I don't really, but um, I think he's had some experiences, and maybe he wanted people to to believe it so bad that he would go so far as to stage something as almost like a reenactment, um, not trying to hoax, but trying to get people interested in to believe. But no, I don't I don't think he's a fraud. Um, some of the, the super high def images of the faces, yeah, they look, they look kind of sketchy to me, but I've never laid my eyes on a Bigfoot, so who knows? Maybe they do look like that. I don't know. But no, Ashley and uh, Dennis, I don't think Todd Standing is a fraud. And I would love to have him on the show to talk any day of the week. Um, next question is from Danielle. How are you doing tonight? Well, Danielle, I tell you, I've had better nights. <laughs> I just, my internet connection has went straight down the tubes. I've been fighting with our local internet provider for the last couple of weeks and things are not much better. And I had a very high profile person that I just interviewed tonight. Um, he's a doctor. He's big in BFRO. He's an author. He's, and he's from West Virginia. Um, I'll, I can tell you his name, but I'm gonna try to have him on the show here soon. So I won't let that be a surprise. Well, I'll go ahead and tell you, uh, Dr. Russ Jones. He, he's a great resource. He's a great interview. He's a great man. And I'm actually so frustrated right now because my internet the whole time was saying low bandwidth and my internet's unstable. So that just really, it really irked me when I lost a lot of our conversation due to internet glitching. Um, on top of that, I have to go get another COVID test in the morning. My wife is still testing positive as of today. So I've been camping for the last week in my office, in my in my hammock. So things could be better, but it's not that bad. There's always there's always good things. You know, they're just hard to think of right now. But we're alive and we're doing this show and it's still a one one year anniversary episode, so that's a good thing. All right, next, <clears throat> Sarah Cooper from the American Snallygaster Museum. I had a feeling that if you saw this, you would send me something good, and you did. Um, Sarah's question is, does the Flatwoods monster have a cloaca? <laughs> well, you know, I never thought about that. Um, I. I haven't given enough attention to, I guess, the uh, digestive and reproductive system of some of these local cryptids. So I don't know about the Flatwoods monster, but I bet Mothman does. All right. Um, that's a good, good question, Sarah. Next one is from Alan. He was on my show a while back about the Brown, Brown Mountain Lights, and that's his question. Do you b believe in the Brown Mountain Lights? 110% I do. Uh, there's 
tons of stories that come out of there. There's tons of videos and photos. So yeah, I believe in the Brown Mountain Lights. I have no idea what it is. I think it's something paranormal. Um, some kind of ghost lights more than anything else. Maybe uh, a residual kind of thing that, you know, it just recurs in the same spot, almost like on a loop. So yeah, I do. I, I believe in the Brown Mountain Lights and I'd love to go down to the Carolinas and see it myself. Next question is from the Real UFO Bros podcast. Um, thanks for listening, by the way, guys. It says, how do you use a semicolon <laughs> like everybody else when I do an old school winky emoji? It's, you know, the semicolon and then the, uh, was it, the parentheses, you know, the little winky smiley face. That's, I think that's why semicolons were invented, right? All right. And the last one came in just a little while ago. This is from Rob from the Edge of the Headlights podcast. Rob is a, is a buddy of mine now. We met through this podcast. Um, he was on my Missing 411 um, my missing four one one episode. We got into talking about reptilians. And uh, he has a book that he's actually redoing right now he he sent me a prototype of it um i loved it i can't wait to see the finished work so rob has three questions for me first question what is the craziest thing you've ever eaten well uh, i eat a lot of weird stuff rob i guess the, the craziest to to most normal people would be uh you know like wood grubs, you know, like mealworms, stuff like that. Um, raw, fresh out the stump, you know, um, they taste kind of like an almond. I think they're delicious, it's high protein, good survival food. Um, you know, other than that, just whatever I get my hands on, I'll, I'll eat just about anything, you know, at least try it out. But that's usually the one that gets the, the gag reflex going for some people, I don't know. People have a problem with eating bugs, um, but that's that's probably that's probably up there on the on the weird scale, I guess. Let's see. Second question: What's the strangest story that I've heard and witnessed? I think the strangest thing that uh, well, I've heard some weird stories doing this show. I've heard some pretty strange stuff, but for me to have per personally witnessed. I think uh, the UFO encounter that dad and I had together takes the cake. Just the way that green light, I won't forget that green light. Um, I, I've, went, I've talked about that on several shows, but I think that would be the one for me. And he asked me the same riddle that he had written about in his book. Um, how was the man murdered in a room with 55 bicycles? <sighs> I have sat here and tried and tried, but I guess um, 
the only answer I could get would be kind of like a dad joke. I hope that I hope it's what it is. Maybe he got too tired. <laughs> get it? Too tired? I don't know. Uh, you better give me the damn answer though, because you left me hanging on that forever now. So that's it, and that's that's our questions on the Q and A portion of this show. Thank you guys for playing along. Uh, thanks for making this first year special. I really appreciate it. All right, this story is the worst fishing trip ever. <laughs> dad had a motorhome. And me and Dad and Charlie and Anthony. My uncles. Yes. Uh, my brothers. <laughs> went on this fishing trip in the motorhome. So we get up, and I don't know where we were. We were maybe somewhere in the northern part of the state, but we were in West Virginia. Hit snow on this mountain. I mean, it's just like, it was like a line across the road. Mm. Road, two foot of snow. <laughs> so we didn't have any GPS in that time. So dad just had his map. Right. He gets his map out and he says, well, we can, we can get there by going back down and around and this way. Okay. So, you know, it's another way out of the way, you know, to go around all this bad weather to get to the campground. Because the campground wasn't up that high of an elevation like we were headed. So anyway, in the middle of the night, we finally made it to the campsite. We found a campsite right by the trout stream. It was... 70 yards from the camper. Nice. So we sat up, didn't even get the generator out. We just crawled into bed. So the next morning, we wake up. Dad's already making breakfast. And so me and Anthony runs out, gets the generator, sets it back, starts it up, plugs the motor home up to the generator. So we all had breakfast, and Charlie wasn't much of a fisherman. Charlie was going to stay back and, and help Dad, you know, unpack things and get things, you know, set up. And right. So me and Anthony went fishing. We fished all up and down that damn stream with not so much as a bite, nothing. Started raining on us. We fished in the <laughs> rain. We came back and they're like, where's the fish? Like, not a fish was biting. Dad was like, oh, bullshit. Right. You know, y'all don't know what you're doing. I so dad goes out the next morning. Stayed out two or three hours, not a bite. Came back and dad said, this ain't right. This is, this is, I'm gonna call the DNR and see if they can recommend a uh, place. Dad calls the DNR. They're like, where are you at? Dad told them. The guy laughed. He said, that's a dead river. <laughs> he said, that's stream." He said, they poured some chemical in it because of a coal mine leak or something. Oh, my God. And it has killed everything. He said, and that was just recently. He said, there's nothing in that river. And that campground that you're in has been shut down because of that. 
Oh, no. So Dad's like, okay. It's radioactive. We'll, we'll, we'll pack up and head out. So then we start looking at the map, and I do not remember this lake name. But it was about 100 miles away in the opposite way of home. We were like, we're here. We've already wasted two days at yeah. this dead place. What's two more hours? So we drive out to that lake. Don't you know that they had gates up around the lake? You could get in the damn park and shit. But when you got to the lake, it was fenced off with no fishing until like June or July or something, you know. Mm. And we were on one of those trips like me and you go on, you know, yeah, the early this. spring. Yeah. So we were like, well, let's just go on home. You know, this, this was a bust. So we're cruising on down the road and dad looks up and says, there we go. There was a sign that said mini ha ha. Dad whips down that road. There is a beautiful looking stream right beside it. We just find a wide place off the highway next to the stream. Pull the motorhome off. We all get our fishing rods, go down there. We're fishing still, not getting a bite. Swear to God, within 15 minutes of us getting down there, the DNR shows up with the stocking truck. These guys are carrying wash tubs full of trout. Yes. And imagine, you know, the, the, the river, and there's a big-ass rock jutting out in it that maybe go out 10 or 15 feet. Mm -hmm. We were out on that rock fishing. Yeah. On either side of that rock, they were pouring trout in the water. <laughs> so we suspended our fishing while they were stocking. They left, it was like, good luck, guys, and got in their truck and left. We could, I see the damn trout swimming all around us. Could not get a bite. <laughs> they dropped them off with full bellies, Honest to man. God, we, we went from live bait to lures to, you know, and uh, Charlie put on a rooster tail and threw in there and snagged a trout in the side. <laughs> That was the only fish pulled out of the water. Mm-mm. I don't know if you want to tell me that tale, man. That's that's the truth. We just all, after, you know, two or three hours of standing there watching the fish and... In a barrel. Nothing. You're fishing. We just mm. threw up our hands and went and got in the motor home and just laughed all the way home. Uh, it wasn't in the car. About this man. was the worst fishing trip known to man. <laughs> You know? But, you know, I think Dad enjoyed it because all of his boys that were at home at that time were with him. You know? You he, know? Did. he had to love that. That's what to take away from it. You know, Dad took me hunting and fishing since before I could hold a gun. And when I got up size to where I could actually hold a gun, handle a gun, 
I got a gun. Yeah. It wasn't because Dad thought, well, he's mentally efficient enough to use his gun. Big I was just big it. enough to handle it. <laughs> <laughs> that was it. I learned the right way and the wrong way by watching what my dad did. Yep. He wouldn't say, now, watch how I do this. Watch how I carry this, this shotgun. We'd be walking along the woods. Dad had that shotgun slung across his arm, you know, just walking. Or he'd have it, we used double barrel shotguns most of the time. There wasn't no such thing were single shot. There wasn't no pump action or automatics, you know. Yeah. Or the shotgun cracked open and laid across his shoulder as we're walking. Yep. So I'm a kid. I'm wanting to be a hunter. What do I emulate? That hunter exactly in front of Exactly what I see. Yep. And subtle, subtle things, man. Like we were rabbit hunting and I was with dad. We stop in there, there's some, some bushes there. Dad takes his shotgun, holds it in one hand, takes the barrel, and starts poking around in the in the weeds a little bit with that barrel. Yeah. And he simply said, do it this way, so if the gun goes off, it don't blow your guts out. That was it. Do it, no. <laughs> Son, pay attention to this. Right. This is how you do it. It was just short and sweet. He was just, he did it three or four times. And then he said, I do it this way. So I, you know, cause don't want to kill myself. That's like the life lesson I got from Papa. We were trout fishing up at twin lakes and he was squatting down. Like he always does. Just perched like a bird. I know. And I was so tired. I was leaning against a post at like 13, Yeah. <laughs> you know, but I saw him take a chew out. It was like Red Man, maybe or something, and put that put that chew in while he was in between casts. Yep. And I asked him. I said, "Papa, what's that taste like?" He said, it "Tastes like shit. Never tried." Yeah. And to this day, I have not taken. You know, I've never even attempted chewing tobacco. Is that right? Never. And you know, I'm a tobacco user. Have been for 20 years now. That's, that's funny. You know, I've never been a smoker. I don't smoke cigarettes. Right. Ever. I puff on a pipe, but I don't inhale the smoke. I do the same with a cigar. Yep. I like, actually like the taste of tobacco. It's like coffee. You know, yep. I guess some people say you have to grow into it. Yep. Well, I like that taste of that smoke, but I don't, I watch my dad go through such trouble with his lungs. Yeah. That, that turned me against smoking right there. I can see that. That's, again, that's learning from what you see. Yep. Yep. I just hope that the younger generation's paying attention now. And you know what? Dad was a real hunter. Yeah. Yeah. Now, picture this. You know, we're we're left-handed. Yeah. Dad was right-handed. Right. So, he's leaning up against the tree. 
and I guess off to his right was a big fat gray squirrel. Oh yeah. Sitting on a log. So dad raises that shotgun up and the way he's sitting with the circumference in the tree and the squirrel, it was a browning with that ridge on top. Oh shit, yeah. The only way he could take a shot at that squirrel is if that ridge was right there. Against his nose. Against his nose. <laughs> he said, I knew. There was no excuse like I didn't know this was gonna happen. He said, I knew. If I shoot this squirrel, the shotgun's gonna break my nose. Boom. <laughs> he, did. he said blood squirted everywhere. His eyes teared up. He couldn't see. <laughs> he said he had a handkerchief and just totally ruined that handkerchief. For one squirrel. But he got the squirrel. Yeah, you damn well. I hope so. And I was, you know, I was like, I was, that's, a, that's incredible to me. Yeah. That's He-Man status to me. You know, life or limb, I'm going to get this. Well, to me, that's like really needing a fucking squirrel. <laughs> you know, Dad was going home to one of Mom's chicken dinners. It's not like if I don't shoot this squirrel, I'm going to starve to death. But, you know, go go all the way or don't do it. You know that's I mean? Dad, man. Dad was like... Yep, there that motherfucker is. So, <laughs> if you're gonna do it, do it all the way. And he hunted all the way. Yeah, he did. I I loved hunting, but you know, as a kid, you know, you ask those weird ass questions. You know, I asked Dad like, cause Dad shot. For meat, he didn't shoot for the trophy. Right. I'm like, Dad, what if a deer walks up there, you draw a bead down on it, then you look, and it's got a yearling with it? He said, I'll shoot her, and if I can, I'll shoot the yearling. <laughs> and at well, that time, I was thinking, that is cruel, man. Yeah, you're cold-blooded. But now, what do you think? Shoot the deer, and I'll shoot the yearling. <laughs> there you go. I would. Just like dove hunting. Oh, yeah. I refuse to shoot at a single dove. Because they mate doves for meet for life. Yeah, mate for life. And if I can't shoot both of them, I'm not going to shoot either of them. Do you think they mourn? Like, do you think they actually earn the name that they get? How could they not mourn, man? How could any creature not mourn? I've seen doves laying beside of a dead dove, or a duck laying beside of a dead duck on the road. How are they being written off as a lesser being when they obviously have feelings? They have feelings. And at what point does an animal develop feelings? You know? Well, another good example, man, is this guy was scuba diving. 
And he had one of those shark suits on. Yeah. There ain't no denying that. But he said a tiger shark came up and got too close. He said it wasn't in an attack posture. It was just getting a little too nosy, you know? Right. So he takes his fist and he busts that shark right in the nose. He said that shark immediately flipped around and took off. He said, and before he could get that satisfied feeling, yeah, I chased him off, that shark came at him like a streak of lightning and clamped onto his arm. Oh, shit. But like I said, he had a shark, shark suit on. Yeah. But he said that attack was purely anger and retribution. Yep. He said, if I had gently moved it away or used my camera between me and it and got it out of the way, it wouldn't have done shit. But I popped it in the nose and pissed it off, and it swam off to where it was plenty safe, and then come at a run and go, man. It, it took him, you know how they're, they're standing in the water, but I mean, it took him off his feet and backwards. Yeah. You know? Well, I, I believe that sharks are probably pretty high up there on intelligence. You know, like, uh, I think dolphins or porpoises or whatever you want to call them, mm -hmm. weren't they classified as intelligent non-humans? Like, it's above animal? Yeah. And I don't know how they can tell that. I mean, I'm sure the, the, the species has to go through a series of tests. Well, they can understand English and solve puzzles and... Yeah, I mean, what kind of tests do they actually give them? That's what I'm wondering. Well, I've seen some of the aquatic tests, you know, like the, can you move this block through this square hole and make it fit kind of thing. Yeah. You know? Uh, can you stack these rings in diameter, you know, whatever. I saw a perfect little little meme. You know, the, the put the square block and the square hole and the round block and the round hole kind of shit? Yeah. The guy sat down and he had that exact setup sitting there. He said, and it all depends on your perspective. He picks up the O. Sticks it in the square slot, picks up the long piece, sticks it in the square, pick up the star, stuck it in the square slot. Everything fit through the square slot. <laughs> there you go. So he's like, and your point is, now, now, now who's the genius? <laughs> well, they, there's another one of them sayings that. How, I don't know exactly how it goes, you know. I'm, I'm not good at quotes. But if you want to find the easiest way to do something, ask a lazy person. It's true. You know, they will find... That's me, man. ...the least amount of effort it takes to get the job done. You know? Yes, we will. That's why I think, like, inventors... They're like lazy procrastinators. They're like, what can I do? What what jig can I make? What yes. tool can I make? And they will get distracted and get lost in the details of just trying to get out of doing something the hard way. Yeah. You know, whatever it takes 
to get that job done. So thank you to you lazy ass inventors out there. Yes. <laughs> Man, you know how hard it is to explain what the hell a podcast is to people. I guess. Like, a pod. Yeah, I have a podcast. So they're like, you mean like, like whales in a pod? I, when I tell people I have a podcast, they just look at me and grin and shake their head. Like, that's good. And I was, Do you know what a podcast is? Not a clue. Okay. It's like a radio show. Like, like talk radio. And I'm afraid I'm, I'm plugging myself so much to everybody I know that I'm starting to sound like one of those... Radio announcers? No. Them WLOG? And I, no, I'm trying to be like, you know, like, no hey, offense. Hey, this is Bo Kennedy live. <laughs> no, total opposite, man. I'm afraid that, you know, no offense to vegans, but you know how they have to tell everybody they're a vegan? Right. I'm afraid that I'm... Quickly wanted, becoming one of the podcasters. Uh, I have to tell everybody they're a podcast. Like, <laughs> I'm a podcaster. <laughs> yeah. Well, it just so happens I have a podcast. You know, I can I can promote your campground. Or I, it just so happens I'm a podcaster. Uh, let's talk about this on my show instead of in person. The Miraculous Money Ball. This one happened to me when I was in Louisiana. Um... I was married at the time to my ex, and per the usual, we were in this big fight driving down the road. Um, we were arguing over money. You know, I was in the military, wasn't very financially responsible, and didn't have a whole lot of finances to be responsible with. So anyway, we're bickering over whatever, driving down this four lane when in the direct center of my windshield, this ball just manifested. And I mean, it looked like by the size of a softball. And I hit my brakes and it just smashed against my windshield. Money. It, it was just a ball of money. I have no explanation for that. Um, I pulled off the road couple other cars pulled off the road on the other side and I jumped out and just started picking up dollar bills fives tens maybe a couple twenties and uh, I can't remember now how much money I, I walked out of there with I did not pick it all up um, it was middle of the day on a four lane so I, I just scooped up some money I figured I'd leave the rest for other cars uh, I want to say it was some, somewhere probably around 75 80 dollars you know enough to get me through the week but yeah, no clue. I've thought that maybe there was a car in front of me that, you know, lost their money out the window. Um, but I wasn't riding that close to anyone where money would keep a ball shape until it got to my vehicle. I don't know. All I know is I needed money and there it was. So, I like to consider that a little blessing. All right. 
it's hard to keep this thing recording so of course there's gonna be pauses and and breaks and stuff me and dad are talking now about bigfoot dna how um people say there's no scientific proof of bigfoot and uh he's talking about a, a another podcaster that would say the absence of truth or proof is not the absence of existence and we started talking about the dna samples that have come back after they got tested now how did what'd you say it showed that the mother was human homo sapien right but the father was other and they can't match what the other is so was it bigfoot or was it an angel or was it a demon or was it an alien or would that make any sense that if uh that well it, you know it gets asked another question now do bigfoot breed or are they bred in a laboratory right either on earth or well, otherwise you know, maybe when people are abducted and there's been reports for both men and women that you know they were violated and had you know the reproductive system tampered with or I'll, I'll just put it that way maybe they're taking the human female egg and breeding us with themselves or whatever other species they want yeah on any other plane of existence we don't know anything about this stuff and dropping off some hybrids you know well, you know, there have been reports, I mean, and like I said earlier, if you don't believe one of the people with the wild story, then you can't believe any of them. Right. So if you believe some of these people, then you have to give all of them the benefit of the doubt. Yeah. Yeah, and I, I was talking with a family member who doesn't believe in Bigfoot. Um, they don't care if I do. It's not a big deal. You know, it's not like we had an argument or anything. But they don't believe in Bigfoot, and they don't care to, you know, look into to it. To know, yeah. So they asked me, well, why is there no scientific evidence? Why is why have there not been any DNA samples? And I told them just that, that there have been. There have. A hundred times. And it shows up as inconclusive because they can't track one side or human tampering because they find human DNA in it. So what if that's really getting us one step closer to what Bigfoot is? Maybe well, you know that scientist, Amelba Ketchum. Yes. She has lots of info on this and lots of literature. She actually took the DNA herself. Yeah. And sent it to laboratories, several laboratories, and got those same results. See, that, that's what's going to take people to keep doing that. Yeah, it would probably take one recovered, you know, live or dead, which I don't think you can get one alive. Um, before people would actually believe you. But in all the time in the world for there to be full disclosure about it, it's now. Yeah. You know, they... 
But here's the thing. Even with that DNA scientifically proven to be accurate, mm-hmm. uh, what's that doctor's name that the, the, uh, has all the foot? Oh, Dr. Meldrum, Jeff Meldrum. Jeff Meldrum. He said that he's seen a Bigfoot. Right. Plus, he has. You, we have all these tracks. Some of these tracks have dermal ridges in it. Right. Which can't be duplicated. Right. With all of that, a scientist, two scientists saying, yes, they exist. The scientific community still says, no, there's no scientific proof. Right. Because what they mean by scientific proof is a specimen standing in front of them yep. or laying dead on the table. The evidence is enough to, you know, in a criminal case, to prosecute somebody. But it's not enough to prove that something else is out there. And what sense does that make? And why would there be a cover-up? Yeah, and that was my next question. Do you think with all of this evidence that we have already... That it's the government that's telling the scientific community until we got a body, just don't... I don't know. Why would the government... Why would they care? Right. Unless... Unless Bigfoot is manipulated by aliens. Or... And... Angels. You know, because there would be a cause to keep us feeling like we're just you would never get the the government to admit that there's angels right or that we are spiritual beings right because we're supposed to just go to work and pay our taxes and come home exactly and stay down here on this normal plane thinking we don't have control of anything when really we control our reality with faith yes But I don't know. I don't unless it's one of those reasons. I don't know how the government would even care enough to get involved. I don't think they would. So what does the scientific community have to lose if the government doesn't have anything to lose? Well, man, when I was in school, they taught us that the rule was Darwin's theory, right, of evolution that we came out of little one-celled slugs things in the in the ocean in the water and we developed and developed and crawled out on land and i don't believe that bullshit but that's what they taught me to be truth right and even when i was a kid i was thinking well if evolution is true why are there no lower samples of us right you know yeah Above the ape, but below human. Yeah. Where's everything And I at? don't think that in no way in hell that could be a Bigfoot. No. Because, you know, our average, what would you call average size man is six foot tall. Yep. The average Sasquatch is like eight, nine feet tall. Yep. With some being said, they're 12, 13 feet tall. Yeah, I don't think we're on the same branch. No. I don't think we're on the same tree. 
Uh, well, we might be on the same tree, I guess. I don't. Yeah, on that note, where where are the things evolving that are a million years behind the curve? You know, or five hundred thousand years behind the curve. Where where's the Cro Magnum man at? Because yeah. yeah, okay. Homo sapien got into it, slugged it out with him, whatever. Out, outthought him, outsmarted him. Whatever. Unless it was mass genocide all across the world, all across Pangea or the world, because we were already broken into continents by then. I think right? so. So, unless every one of them was snuffed out, there would still be a healthy population of them coming up. You know, it would be like that book, the the people that time forgot where you would walk through different regions and there'd be people at different evolutionary stages. Stages, yeah. You know, you walk into the caveman zone and then you walk into, you know, the Bronze Age zone. That, that's, that's for an example. I mean, you would have the hairy people, the dummies, and then you'd have us. And that's, that's not where it's at. Here's something that's totally sort of kind of off subject. All right. So suppose me, uh, humanity is snuffed out somehow. Okay. Okay. And it's been a thousand years. And aliens come visit Earth. Uh-huh. And they dig up a body. And they say, well, this is what humans look like. This may sound cruel, but what if they dig up one of them pinhead deformity babies? Yeah, I know what you mean. Because they've had those people in the circuses, man. Yeah. And they find that skeleton and they date it back to, you know, our time. They did this, you know, yep. this must be what humans look like. Yep. Or they go to a children's cemetery. Right. Not knowing that that's dedicated to, you know, to, to children, children and think that all people were three foot tall. Yeah. Frail. We've got a lot of downtime, don't we? We do. <laughs> <laughs> I, I learned... I learned something from a podcast we listened to the other night about the, the podcast was called I Dug Up a Giant or Oh yeah, I, I Found dug up, Giant Bones. Or, I Dug Up Giant Bones. That's a Blurry Creatures podcast. Okay. Yeah, I was playing that when we were going to bed. He stated that in most of these burial mounds found in the United States, if there is a giant in there right there will be two smaller people bound and right against the giant's feet yeah the two smaller people that were bound at the giant's feet were native american indians yes the giant was not right right 
Now, these giants were what, like nine feet tall? They were eight to 12 feet tall. Eight to 12 foot tall. So the only possibility is an alien or a gigantic Norse tribe. <laughs> right. Right. Because I think they've actually found remnants of red hair. Yeah, the red hair giants. Yes. On some of these buried giants, though. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So were the giants their chiefs? It would seem like it. Or their gods? I don't know. But there are tons of mounds around here. Yes. Um, especially down towards the southern part of West Virginia where we're at. Kanawha County, Logan County. Um, somebody even mentioned one being in Chapmanville, where I live. I have not seen or know of any place where there would be one, but I'm trying to find out so I can go check it out. Charleston is the closest place I know. Yes, and there are two or three still up in Charleston. A lot of these mounds, there. Uh, I think they said there used to be like 1,500 in our area. Wow. Um, but farming and you know growth population growth. well just the forest that. itself you know yeah that guy billy that i spoke to that was on finding bigfoot yes he uh he didn't say it on the show but he told me on our interview that there was a couple of mounds on his wife's property okay So there were definitely giants in America. We know that. Well, let me ask you this then. Just saying. Okay. What if those giants that we're finding in these mounds are actually Sasquatch? I've thought about that too. Because they did not say in that report that the small people buried at his feet were Native American Indians. Right. The giant was other. Right. They didn't say that was human. What if it's a Sasquatch? Right. What if the Sasquatch, the, the Indian people, revered them because of their skills in the mountains and that in some instances at that time, Sasquatch actually became the chiefs of these Indian tribes. I don't know, man. That's the thing. And that could sound plausible, that could sound ridiculous, but we weren't there. Exactly. The only history that we know is what has been handed down. Mm -hmm. And believe me, it's all been whitewashed. Um, why? When all these mounds and these giants and you know in fields were discovered, why did the Smithsonian Institute find it so necessary to gather them all up and never let them be seen again? Well, again, one good theory is the DNA is non-human. Right. Which again could be alien. 
or Sasquatch. Yep. Now, from what I've heard, you know, they did the uh, Reclamation Act, I think is what it's called, for the Native Americans, to where when their sacred grounds, burial grounds, right. were unearthed, right. they those tribe members of today had the opportunity to come claim them. Claim the bones. And from what I've heard on previous you know, interviews with other people on, on other podcasts, you know, they were presented the, with the, the bones of their people, and they didn't claim the giants, but were told to take them at, you know, if they want the remains, they got to take it all. And so they're, they're blaming it on the Native Americans doing whatever with the, the, the giant bones. But just look up articles from the late 1800s, early 1900s. Smithsonian Institute is all over it. Yes. They had they came and took these giant bones, and we don't even get a display. You know, we don't even get to ask questions. We don't get to know that they're there. Uh, why? Why deny the existence of Bigfoot? Why deny the existence of giants? Why deny the existence of UFOs, alien life? All this time. Unless there's a spiritual aspect that goes against the, what you're being taught in science. You know, you and I may be looked at as as rebels or something. Yeah. You know, because of some of our beliefs. But if the government is going to lie about Bigfoot, UFOs, or any other giants right they're going to lie about that they're going to lie about anything i'm not saying they lie about everything right but they feel it justified to lie to the public about a lot of subjects yes and they passed a law to make it legal so that's that's what i understand legal does not mean right exactly what i was going to say you know, you can you can pass whatever laws you want, if it's morally wrong, right. if it's the wrong thing to do, if it benefits one side of anything and not the other, if it's not good for all, then it's not right. No, it's not moral. And that's why, if if that were the case for all laws, we'd have a really short list of laws. Yes, we would. And there would actually be an answer to the reason why is this law in existence other than because I say so. Right. Right. So, what is Bigfoot? That's the million dollar question, ain't it? Yes. It's no longer do they exist. Now it is, what are they? And that's what the government is now admitting with alien life. You know, after the Nimitz now they and tell the Gimbal the and the Go Fast videos <clears throat> all come out, there now they say on Tucker Carlson, well, we know they're here. We just don't know who they are or what they want. Right. But we only have like a month and a half before they're supposed to reveal everything that they know, the CIA, the, you know, 
whatever federal groups are over it, supposed to tell us everything. But I guarantee you it's going to be one big lined out redacted paper. Stack of papers. Well, if they're ordered to give over all the evidence, then nothing should be redacted. I hope not. Because that is still hiding evidence. Yep. And that goes against the order, so. But who would know? Because you know, you worked for the NSA. Everybody just gets a piece of the puzzle. So everybody that would see the report would feel like they're learning something. So who knows to what extent it goes. Yeah. Even though the government says they're going to tell the truth and they're mandated by law to tell the truth, that don't mean they tell the truth. Exactly. They are the law. Because they feel superior to us. Right. It's just like, you know, riding a motorcycle, wear a helmet, don't wear a helmet. Here in West Virginia, it is mandatory that you have on a helmet. Right. In other states, it's not. It's right. optional. And I think it should be optional. Of course. I don't need the government to tell me riding a motorcycle is dangerous and could give you brain damage. Right. You apply your own common sense. Right. I know that. You would wear a helmet no matter where you're at. Because you should. And I do. And, you know, it doesn't matter if this state requires it or not. I go out of state that don't require it. I always have on my helmet. Right. You should always have the right safety equipment for whatever task that you're doing. Yes. But it should not be a law to do so. They should not be able to... Right. And here's the thing. If you look at extremes, we talk about extremes all the time. You should not have the right to be killed if you don't wear your motorcycle helmet. Right. You know what I mean? You could get pulled over, get a fine. You know, if you resist the fine, if you try to exercise your opinion or whatever, your, your freedom of speech, then then what? You're you're non-compliant. Things could escalate. I love police officers. I love law enforcement. But, you know, shit happens sometimes. Well, they're not told the whole story. They're told there's this guy out there that did this, this, and he, our records show that he owns firearms, so he may be armed and dangerous. Right. That's all they know. They don't know why you're out there. So getting pulled over for not wearing a helmet, one tense exchange, next thing you know, you're dead. You know, uh, why get pulled over to begin with? Let people have their own freedom, their own choice. It, yeah. It's up to you to know what's good or bad or what you should do for yourself. If you're not, it's, it's this simple. If you're not hurting someone else or someone else's property, there should not be a law against it. All right. What have I learned? <laughs> what have I figured out after a year of doing the show? I tell you now, it's not much. Um, let's take it one at a time. The unexplained aliens. Uh, before I started this show, I thought that aliens and the whole UFO phenomenon 
or UAPs or transmedium objects or whatever they want to call them now. I had this and may still have this theory that aliens are us from the future. Um, kind of like what you see on the interstellar that, you know, they've figured out time travel. So if time travel is ever figured out, that means it's always been around, right? Cause you could theoretically move backward in time or whatever else. I don't know. I'm not a physicist or anything like that. So I just, it was okay for me to assume or to speculate that, you know, they're bald, they're feeble, got these large eyes, little spindly fingers, you know, tens of hundreds of generations down the line. We don't need big burly bodies anymore. Maybe we just kind of developed into these alien looking creatures. And for whatever reason, they're traveling back to today. Um, and these vessels, you know, they're, they're traveling back to stop us from doing something or to guide us on some kind of path. Um, that's just what I thought. You know, I thought there there are descendants coming back in time. Um, now, what do I think aliens are? I'm not sure. You know, I hear a lot of people talking about them being some kind of demon. I hear people talking about them um, being an underground race. You know, I've heard theories that they they live under mountains and under the ocean and that they've always been around and they work with our government and uh, who knows you know they're they're evolved dinosaurs into this rep, reptilian type of race i've heard a lot and i don't know what to set my mind on so i'm kind of just waiting on full disclosure on that um not that I have any faith that the government will ever give us kind of that kind of full disclosure. And if it's something supernatural to our belief, I don't believe they'll disclose that by any means. Um, but I do believe that something's out there. Um, and I look forward to learning more. And if anybody has a story they'd like to share about that, I'm all about it. Talk to me. Monsters. Uh, Bigfoot, Dogman. I'll tell you now, before I started this, I didn't believe in Dogman at all. I thought that was just something to one-up Bigfoot with. You know, it's just a werewolf story. But I don't know anymore. You know, I, what is Bigfoot? I thought Bigfoot was Gigantopithecus. I thought it was, you know, all these other countries have some kind of monkey or ape that Bigfoot was just our version of it. And it was up in the Pacific Northwest and it's, you know, a, a small band of them, a troop of them, whatever you want to call it. And, you know, they've just kind of been around undiscovered that one day we'd go back in there and spot them. And it would be no big deal. But now I don't know. Now I hear stories about, 
you know, them being just that, you know, they can be giganto. They can be, um, Nephilim, you know, from, from the Bible where these fallen angels bred with women and beasts and, uh, I hear stories about Bigfoot being supernatural, you know, that it can cloak, that the footprints end, you know, the tracks end in the middle of nothing. It's a, a big open field. They're just gone. You know, uh, I've heard people talk about Bigfoot, you know, being in league with aliens or whatever, or that they are aliens. And then there's the whole phenomenon with the lights, these, these orbs, these ball lights that people see in and or around Bigfoot activity in Bigfoot known areas. So, you know, what they call the woo factor, you know, that they can speak telepathically. And for whatever reason, the Bigfoot community calls it mind speak because they got to make it sound as generic as humanly possible. I don't know if all that's true, which I'm not here to tell people that, you know, their reality is wrong. Um, if that's true, then who knows what the hell this, these things are. Um, if they're all connected or what. No idea. And then there's the paranormal. Um, ghosts. Well, I've said it probably 20 times on the show. You know, I am a Christian. I believe that we have a soul. I believe that we have a spirit. And I believe our spirit is our physical energy and our soul is our tether to God. So what is a ghost? Is it a remnant of our physical energy stuck here on earth? You know, um, since energy never ends. That... Is it just like a, a recording looping over and over again? How can you communicate with that? What are you communicating with? Is that some kind of demon? Is it really your relative that's sitting there? Or is, it, is it all in your head? Is this some kind of comfort measure? I don't believe that, but I mean, that's what some people think, right? So, I guess what have I learned is that I don't have anything figured out. You know, I can sit here and go over stories that of you know of experiences. It's it's mostly a little G whiz stuff. You know, I got it all here on this piece of paper, but um, I've told most of them. You know, I've I've told pretty much everything over past episodes and if you guys are listening to this anniversary episode then you probably have listened to my past ones too um and i, I really appreciate that i appreciate you guys um it's been a really busy couple of weeks my wife had her surgery um thank you guys for all the prayers and messages i greatly appreciate that she pulled straight through that thing with no problems whatsoever. Um, 
And if you're curious, it was a uh, she had to have her gallbladder, gallbladder and appendix removed. But there's uh, there's still still some health issues going on. But the surgery went great. It was a perfect surgery, just like I prayed for. Um, so thank you guys for that. It's just there's just a lot going on, and I'm trying not to neglect work and the podcast. Um, so bear with me. I'm trying to get everything done that I can. Uh, I've stayed up on everything so far. Uh, we even had a major internet ordeal and I'm trying really hard not to think that it was because of the Demons Among Us episode that I just posted <laughs> but we went about three days without internet service <laughs> but everything should be good now um, I guess it would be uh, a good opportunity you know having this show and so many people listening you know, to talk about other stuff, you know, uh, we're all here because we believe in the unexplained monsters and paranormal. But, uh, you know, it's just been heavy on my heart lately to talk about other things. So I believe I might start just a small 10, 15 minute show. Uh, well, not show, but 10 or 15 minute episodes. I can start releasing on Sundays. Um, maybe listen to it on your Sunday morning drive or commute to church or when you get up before the kids do and you're making your coffee. It's just just a little something, a little something to ruminate on or to be thankful for, just, you know, just something positive. I think this world needs a lot of positivity right now. And maybe we can just put a, a, a few things, a few a few things to make you think or to make you thankful. Um, I don't know. Just passing thoughts. That's what that's what this episode's about, right? It's, it's about the journey and where things are going. Uh, speaking of, there's a lot of gifts going out to my patrons on Patreon. They, they've been with me for a few months now. And so they, you know, they're on those higher membership tiers and Stuff is flowing, guys, so it's coming to you. It's on its way. Um, tons of merch on the podcast website, thebumppodcast.com, Believer Store. You can check that out. Uh, let's see. YouTube's still going. I know there's a little lapse because, you know, not every not every guest wants to be recorded on video. So when they choose not to have a video recording... I will tend to not have a YouTube segment. Um, and that goes along with Patreon, too. I, I won't have the exclusive, you know, uncut feed of us, you know, having our discussion on video there. Um, but most people are okay with it. Um, when they're not, you know, sometimes it's my call. Like uh, last week's episode when... It's me talking to Chris. You know, his his kids were on video. You know, they were coming in and out of the room with him, which I love that. I love seeing him interact with his family. But I suggested to him, hey, let's not have your kids on film, you know, on, on YouTube or whatever. 
and he was all about that. We understand, you know, we want to protect our families. So I don't have, I, I tend not to have my family on the show or videos of them or whatever. Um, I try to give you guys a little bit of an inside look at my life, but, you know, you got to have some kind of privacy. So YouTube's still going. Patreon's still going. Uh, the show, I don't see an end date for the show. I'm lining up some big episodes. And if you guys like Bigfoot, um, I got some bangers coming for you, okay? I got some big episodes coming that you're going to love. So don't don't quit listening just because you don't get your Bigfoot fix. Uh, this is a, a very broad spectrum kind of show. And it won't hurt us all to listen to a little bit of something outside the box. So... Hang in there with me. When I when we don't get downloads, sponsorships aren't doing no good. <laughs> you know what I mean? Uh, when the numbers go down, everything goes down. So even if you don't love the episode, run it through for me. You know, get it playing. Get those downloads up so we can get better sponsorships. Um, we can grow. You know what I mean? But the bigger the audience gets, the bigger we can grow. So please keep doing the the five-star ratings and reviews. Uh, those are looking great. Um, I'm on Instagram. I'm on uh, Snap. Well, not Snapchat. What's the other one? TikTok. I'm on that a little bit. Um, good things coming. Good things coming. Getting into videos. It's summertime now, so we're going to get into more action stuff. You know, I'm going to try to get outside, outdoors, do some personal investigations and stuff like that. You know, I, I, I love camping and hiking and hunting and fishing, so why not take you guys with me? All right? Um, again, thank you. Happy anniversary. And that's kind of weird because in two weeks is my actual ninth anniversary with me and my wife. So it, it's it's a it's a big month. It's a big month. Um, but thank you guys for this last year. Here's to next year. I wanted to include a little song from a former student of mine, Draven Hatfield. He's uh, he's still in high school now. He says that he's not a singer, all right? So, whatever. But the boy can write music. He is great with lyrics. He's great on a guitar. And, you know, he's put his music out there for the world to hear. I think he sounds good. You know, I I enjoy it, and I really want to support this boy, uh, this young man, Draven. He... uh He's got a, a YouTube page and a Facebook page, Draymond Hatfield Music. And, you know, he, he's played for me before. So I wanted to take one of his songs and put it on here on my show. Um, you know, why not? Maybe somebody will hear it. Maybe somebody will call him up have him write a song for him or something. He's good. Uh, the guy's got talent. So... This is Draven Hatfield, Stars. I ain't really decided what to call it yet.
I'm thinking about calling it the stars. Here we go. Gonna be gone for a while Patience is in style To make the best memories And you'll be back here soon Learn a brand new tune Sit and talk and let off steam It's raining right now the sun's behind those clouds I'll be with you in your thoughts and dreams Baby, you're not gonna drown Save this old damn town Put our names where they're meant to be
All right, that's it for this week, guys. I hope you enjoyed listening to the show. If you just have to have more content, you can go to patreon.com slash the bump podcast and subscribe and be a patron. Uh, got more and more content on there every week. So I hope you enjoy that. Uh, to catch up on past episodes, go to the bump click the episode tab and it'll take you to any episode you want to listen to. Also, if you want to be on the show, I would love to have you on share your story with us. Go to the bump click the holler at me button and holler at me. Send me an email, the bump at gmail.com. And, uh, I'll get you on as fast as we can. All right. Again, thanks for listening. I love you guys. Until next time, don't stop believing.